Our sermon passage today begins in Galatians 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For now, you, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery— to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles, and when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. If you haven't done so, please take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Um, we here at Redeemer are studying Galatians, and we're working our way through, and we come to a bit of a, an odd passage, just to be honest. Um, it, it feels like we've been dropped into the middle of someone's argument, and um, it, it feels like just at a first glance, maybe this could have been about two verses instead of a chapter of the Bible. But what we have is a chapter of the Bible, and it is important for us. And here's the important takeaway for us this morning from this passage. The Lord, our God, ensured that His gospel message was faithfully delivered to his church. The Lord our God ensured 
that his gospel message was faithfully delivered to his church. Therefore, we listen to the gospel message and we are cautious about the people that we listen to when they question this message. We listen to the message that the Lord has sent and we are discerning and cautious about whom we do listen to. Ultimately, the argument of the book of Galatians is coming to bear here. And this is the argument. There are those who are coming to the Galatian church, troubling the church, and distorting the gospel of Jesus. Particularly, as we talked about last week, Galatians 6.12, those who are coming and distorting the gospel have come from Jerusalem have come from the very Jewish portion of the followers of Jesus and are saying that the Galatians, the the non-Jews, must be circumcised and take on Jewish tradition to become followers of Jesus. And Paul, the author of Galatians, is standing up to say, no, no, no. And no, that was last week's message. It is not required that one become Jewish or take up circumcision or take up submission to the law of Moses to become a follower of Christ. But now let's play this out in human space and time. Well, Paul, who are you to say that? We're from Jerusalem. We're from where the apostles are. Peter. And James and John, we've been hanging out with them, Paul. So who are you to say we are wrong? That's the question at hand here. Who is Paul to say that some people who've been hanging out with Peter and James and John are wrong in what they are saying? And Paul's answer is very simple. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, he appeared to me. And he gave me the gospel. And he sent me. And when I shared that gospel with James and Peter and John, they affirmed it. That's who I am. So what's going on in these flowing arguments, which Emmy just read for us, is Paul is saying, look, the gospel that I proclaim didn't come from man. It came from Christ. And this gospel that I proclaim, which came from Christ, was affirmed by those who walked with Christ, who are the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. So in many instances... 
The argument of Galatians 1, 11 through 2, 10 is a defense of how God got his message to his churches and why we should listen to his messengers. And those of you that are, that, that are my pragmatic people that are like, tell me what to do with this passage, here you go. Listen to us talk about it. Believe that God sovereignly and powerfully preserved the message of Jesus and got it to his church and got it held in the scripture and then be discerning about who you listen to who says they can clarify that gospel for you. That's the takeaway. So if you need a takeaway, there you go. But there's a lot here that I think is really important for us to dive into. So the first point, if you want to take notes, is not by man. Not by man. And really... The, the thesis of these verses is found in Galatians 1.1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Tell me more, Paul. Okay, that's chapter 111 through 2.10. Paul says, verse 11, I would have you know that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. The gospel, the good news, the message that I proclaimed is not man's gospel. Why? Number one, in verse 12, I did not receive it from another human. I did not receive it from any man. Okay? Number two, verse 12, I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ revealed himself to me. I I think that this is Paul referring to his conversion which is written for us in Acts chapter 9. Go ahead and turn over there. Acts chapter 9. At this point, Paul was going by the name Saul. He was breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus. And he went to the high priest and asked for permission to go to Damascus and arrest those who were walking with Jesus. And on his way to Damascus, chapter 9 of Acts chapter 9, verse 3, suddenly a light from heaven shone around Paul. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are here, what you are to do. 
The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Verse 17. So Ananias, that was a Christ follower in Damascus, went to the house where Paul was and laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. So Paul says, Christ appeared to me through a revelation, and I received my message from Jesus. He goes on to argue he was passionately and militantly against the people of Jesus and his gospel. And then God the Father revealed Jesus to him. For the purpose, verse 16, to preach to the Gentiles. So Paul says, I didn't receive my gospel from man. I received it when Jesus appeared to me. And then third, After Jesus appeared to me, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Now, this one seems a bit perplexing, right? Like, like why is Paul saying it's such a big deal that he didn't immediately consult with anyone? Because he's really trying to build this argument that the message that he's preaching doesn't depend on the church in Jerusalem. It doesn't depend on the affirmation of the other apostles. Jesus sent him. Jesus saved him. Jesus gave him the message. And so he's going to great lengths to say, the message that I've been proclaiming, I didn't go get it at a school. I didn't go get it in seminary. I didn't go get it in a synagogue. And I don't think Paul's against school, seminaries, or synagogues. He's just saying it wasn't given to me through human agency. It wasn't taught the way, frankly, we all received it from others. So he makes these prolonged arguments. He didn't go up, verse 17, to the other apostles in Jerusalem but he went away in Arabia and then returned to Damascus. Verse 18, he stayed away from Jerusalem for three years. The first three years of his life in Christ, he stayed away from Jerusalem. And after those three years, he spent 15 days with Peter and saw James. Then he left Jerusalem and went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, And he still was unknown amongst the churches near Jerusalem. Chapter 2, verse 1. Fourteen years after his conversion, he went up to Jerusalem again, 
this time with Barnabas and Titus because the Lord appeared to him and told him to go. And while he was there, he was not rebuked, but he received affirmation and the right hand of fellowship from the the apostles in Jerusalem. So Paul's making this large, dense, factual, autobiographical argument that his gospel, his message, his commission, his sending was not by man, but from God. And this whole argument fits together because Paul is is trying to say the authority of my message is from God. The authority of my message is not deferred human authority, but it is from God himself. There was something that the the experience that Paul had with the resurrected Jesus, and he says the resurrected Jesus appeared to him at least on these two occasions in verse mentioned in verse 12 and mentioned in chapter 2, verse 2. The encounters that Paul had with the resurrected Jesus saved him, sent him, and gave him the gospel that he proclaims. This, for us, is God ensuring that his message reaches his church in a truthful way. In many ways, it's this experience which qualifies Paul to be an apostle, a sent one, which qualifies Paul to speak God's word to God's people, which qualifies Paul to write these letters, which we're still receiving and reading and studying some 2,000 years later. Paul is going out of his way to say, the gospel that I preach is not from man. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 10, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10, I'm not seeking the approval of man. I'm not trying to please man. I am seeking to please God as a servant of Christ. What often gets lost in this story about the life of Paul is that the path of affirmation, the path of least resistance, the path of human exaltation would have been for for Paul to continue in his former life in Judaism, would have been for Paul to continue persecuting the church of God violently and trying to destroy it, would have been for Paul to continue advancing in Judaism beyond those of his own age. It would have been for Paul to continue zealously in the traditions of his fathers, but he stepped aside from all of that because Jesus, the resurrected Savior, appeared to him and called him and set him apart and said, I have a task for you. Verse 16. To preach me, Christ, among the Gentiles. So Paul says, I was sent 
by Christ, not by man. Now, if you are an um, inquiring listener to an argument, you're probably thinking something like this. Has Paul just set us up to be deceived by every wacko in the history of the world? Like, all he have to do is just show up and say, Jesus appeared to me. Be ye deceived, and we should listen? No. And that's why this second point is so important. So bear with me. Second point this morning. Affirmed by Apostles, affirmed by apostles. So Paul tells of two intentional encounters with the apostles in Jerusalem, kind of the the hub of church, the hub of the early life of the church. He tells in chapter 118 that three years after his conversion, he went to Jerusalem to visit Peter. He calls him Cephas, but Peter. And they stayed together for 15 days. He spent some time with James, the brother of Jesus, who also was a leader in the early church. And then he left, chapter 1, verse 21, to continue ministry in Syria and Cilicia, which implies they affirmed him. Then in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, 14 years after my conversion, he went again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas and taking Titus. And there he spent time Verse 6, he says, with those who seemed to be influential. Those who were leaders in the church. Particularly, verse 9, James and Peter and John, who, quote, seemed to be pillars. And when they perceived, meaning they recognized that the grace of God had been given to Paul. They gave Paul the right hand of fellowship to Paul and to Barnabas that they should go to the Gentiles and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. So here's what Paul is arguing. I didn't receive the gospel message through the teaching of man, but the gospel message which I received from Christ when presented to the apostles, when presented to those who lived and walked with Jesus, who had been leading the church from the beginning, who had been filled with the Spirit on Pentecost, who had participated in all these early church miraculous events when they saw me and my ministry and heard my message, they 
called it the grace of God, and they gave to me the right hand of fellowship. They gave to me the blessing and the affirmation of walking together in Christ. They didn't rebuke. They didn't change. They didn't tweak, but they affirmed what was evident that Christ had been revealed to Paul and had given Paul the same message for a different audience, but the same message that they too had received. My message was affirmed by the apostles. So Paul is saying that God gave me the truth, but because the truth is unchanging and because there aren't many truths, but there is a truth, those who know the Lord and know his truth saw it and affirmed it in me. And some of you are like, man, why are we belaboring this point? Like, this is the debate of the early church's authority. This is the debate about how we received the Bible. Josh, are you teaching on this today or next week? Today, in 30 minutes, Josh Hayes is teaching on this very thing. I hope I'm helping you and not hurting you, but let me know. But this is the debate. How do we know what is God's word and what isn't? It comes from the Lord, but it is affirmed by those who also walked with the Lord and know his word. Paul's saying, look, my message is not contrary to the Jerusalem message. My message is not contrary to James and Peter and John. My message is not contrary to a quote-unquote Jewish gospel. There is one message, and James and Peter and John affirmed it. There is unity between James and Peter and John and Paul about what is the gospel, which would then say to those that are trying to separate them by saying they're not on the same page and they are proclaiming different gospels, that that is false. There's one more affirmation that I think is really important when we think particularly about the book of Galatians. Chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that Titus was with Paul and Barnabas in Jerusalem. Titus was a Greek, which means Titus wasn't a Jew, which means Titus wasn't circumcised, which means Titus hadn't formally submitted himself to the law of Moses and the Jewish way of life, which then means that when Paul and Titus and Barnabas came to town, verse 2, to make sure that they had not been running in vain, that they were not running in vain, that James and Peter and John and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem had every opportunity to look at Titus and say, be ye circumcised or be separated from Christ. And they did not require that Titus be circumcised. That's chapter 2, verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. So Paul is ultimately taking this Galatian argument and saying, 
James, Peter, John, the church in Jerusalem had every opportunity to take up this argument and argue it the way that my opponents are arguing it, and they did not. So what this passage is beginning to unravel for us is that the early church, those who walked with Jesus, who saw him, who learned the way of Jesus from him, and those like Paul to whom he appeared had great unity and great agreement about what is the gospel message, about what needs to be believed for one to be saved. And it does not include this Galatian problem that one... So the gospel is not that one needs to become Jewish. The gospel is that one needs Jesus to be delivered from their sin. Jews need Jesus. Gentiles need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. And Paul's saying, look, the message that I proclaim to you, I received it from the Lord. And what he's doing from 111 to 210 is slowing down to say, let me tell you more about how I received it and why I am so confident that the message that I proclaim is the message of Christ. These autobiographical things that we've been looking at this morning are really nowhere else to be found in all the scripture. So we get this unique contribution where Paul defends the fact that he indeed is an apostle of Jesus because Christ appeared to him, because Christ saved him, because Christ sent him, and because Christ sent him with the same gospel message that all the Christ followers, all the true Christ followers are proclaiming, that salvation comes through the crucified, resurrected Jesus, and through no other means. So this pushes us to say, do I know this Christ through this gospel? Do I cling to this Christ and this gospel? Our hope is this Christ. If you're not sure what the gospel is, if you're not sure what it means to to be forgiven and accepted and redeemed and saved through Christ, hear this clearly. We are a sinful people. And Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, took on human flesh, lived a perfectly holy life, offered that life on a cross to take away our sin and then was raised from the dead the third day, displaying his power over sin and death and offering everlasting life to those who believe and call upon his name. This is the gospel. We invite you to this Jesus today. Now, friends, we also recognize that God providentially and powerfully and sovereignly preserved this gospel message for his church. So we cling to this gospel. And we are very, very careful 
to make sure that we aren't deceived in those who would distort this gospel message. Let's listen to the Lord. Let's listen to his apostles. Let's listen to his word. And let's strive to be faithful to his gospel.